Good morning, church. This morning, we are continuing in our series in the Psalms Beyond, and we are going to be in Psalm 136. If you don't have a Bible, would you raise your hand? We have some Bibles in the back. We want everyone to have God's Word in front of them as we're going through this. So again, we're going to be in Psalm 136, which is considered the psalm that is the great Halil, the great psalm of praise, as, and we're going to see that as we go through it this morning. It's it seems contrary to our culture, though, because if you've ever paid any attention to the news, wouldn't you be convinced that the world's coming to an end? It seems like if you ever just take in the daily events, you almost think that like Armageddon is lurking around the corner. Um, I don't think I've ever left in a better mood when, I'm, when I've taken in the media, except when, that LeBron James is coming to town. Amen. He's coming to the Lakers. But even with that news, it took a second, and they're already complaining, you know, they're not going to win a championship. It's like, can't we just enjoy something for a second? I mean, we live in a culture of whining. And if we're not whining, then we're whining about whining, just like I'm doing right now. It just seems like most people soak themselves in the morning blues, I mean, the morning news before they even get their coffee in the morning. And as when we look at this psalm, it seems like it's countering exactly what we, our culture is, where it's, this is the great psalm of praise. It, just, it should lead us to ask the question, is this psalm counter to what our culture represents? So let's just get into it. Look at verse 1 through 3 with me as we look into it. So Psalm 136, starting verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his steadfast love endures forever. Now look down at verse 26 with me. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his steadfast love endures forever. So at the beginning and the end of this passage, we have one, one thing to do. What is it? Give thanks to God. Give thanks to the Lord, right? Because he is good. He is the God over gods. He is the Lord over lords. He is the Lord over heaven, which is over the universe, over all of creation. And so to give thanks, we need to be, as followers of Yahweh, the one who's most high, we need to cultivate this heart of giving thanks. Not just here on Sunday morning, even though I don't see it as a coincidence, my wife and I, we don't have a contentious relationship. We don't fight very much. But our, some of our biggest fights have been in the car driving to church. Has anyone else experienced this? That doesn't seem to be a coincidence to me. And I don't have a heart of thankfulness when I get to church in that way. But as Christians, we need to be cultivating that heart of giving thanks, living lives that are thankful. And I think this psalm has four ways that it will show us or you know, be an example for us to do that. So first, the first way to kind of give, to cultivate that grateful heart is to recognize who God is. Recognize who God is. To give thanks to God, we need to see who he is and what he has done, that he is, that when we see him in his rightful place, it should just create this awe and this awe that we just see him and we only have the reaction of grateful worship. Like, like we've already seen, he's, he's over the rulers and, and the leaders and, and the gods that have all been created by man. He is over all of it. And you know what? It says that he is good. 
Now, it's not just like he's good. Like when we, ask, you know, when we greet each other out there, how are you? I'm good. It's not like that. It's, he is pure. He is, he is, um, he is righteous. He is, he is everlasting. It's everything God is in his character. So we have a God who is, is good, and he, he's ruler over all gods and all lords and over all heavens. We have, no, we have no reasoning or stature to be in front of him, but, you know, he is ours, and we are his. And when we see that, when we, when we hear that, we should just be blown away that, that we are even connected to him. And uh, it kind of reminds me of this guy that I was in a doctor's office a few years ago, and I was you know, in the waiting room for like a half hour, and, but it only took about 30 seconds to know that this guy had a connection to Kobe Bryant. He, he, he told every person, every nurse, every person waiting in the, in the waiting room, hey, you know what? I have Kobe's cell phone number on speed dial. Hey, we, we, went, we went traveling together. My wife works with Kobe Bryant. You know, that's how it should be with God. Hey, you know who our God is? Our God is Yahweh. And, and it should create this just awe when we think of him that you know, we have any connection because we have no right to be associated with our God. When we recognize who God is, his power and who he is, it should just, it almost should make us shudder at the thought. Now, in a, a room this size, I, there's likely, all likelihood that there's someone in here going, you know what, I'm not thankful to God. I, actually, I don't think he's God at all. Well, first, I want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. Second, I, I would like you to consider, though, if, if you don't believe in God, then what, who are you replacing him with? What are you spending your life worshiping? Because if it's not God, it's, it's something else. So who, who are you putting your trust in? Is it everlasting? Is it steadfast love? Does it endure forever? Is it over gods and lords and of all creation? And if you are someone who calls upon God as your God, then we need to spend our lives learning and getting to know who he is. And the Bible, it just oozes with his characteristics. It, is, it tells us over and over of his different ways and, and his preferences and his likes. We need to be getting into God's word to help that is kind of, it's localized here at church, is we have a, a lovely lady, Anita Hadley, who she has started a blog to get people into their Bibles, particularly the New Testament. They, they read through the New Testament three to four times a year, and they just started this last week. The blog, it's, um, it is called walkingwiththeway.com. This is for free. I, this is, I added this too late, so we don't have it in the notes. Walkingwiththeway.com. And you just read through a chapter or two, and she just has you know, a few hundred word write-up to just give you thinking about, you know, dwelling in God's word and, and who he is. And when we think of God, we, we should think of him like one of my, my wife's uh, students. She's a, a first grade kindergarten teacher um, at a Christian school. And so she gets to teach the Bible. And when they come to the biblical events, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, she's, te she's teaching the different characters and, and the issues and, and what's going on. And then in every story in the Bible, and there comes a point where she would go, but God, and this little girl in the back would go, yes! <laughs> and it kind of disoriented her at first, because then the next day she started telling about the next Bible story, and, and, and then God, yes! And she started to put together what this girl was thinking is, when God shows up, he's the hero. 
That means everything's going to be okay because his steadfast love endures forever. And so we, when we think of God, man, at least give me a fist pump or something, right? Yes! Or maybe high five the person next to you. That's internally what should be going on inside of us is, you know, we, we are associated with God, Yahweh, his steadfast love endures forever. Yes. Yes, we need to recognize who God is first. And then second, we need to realize God's steadfast love. We need to realize his steadfast love. Now, you've probably caught on that this psalm, it's, its structure is different than most of the other psalms. It, it repeats itself um, over and over again. There's 26 verses, and it repeats itself 26 times. Now, I shy away from giving any sort of biblical language, Hebrew or Greek lesson while preaching, but this one is worth knowing because it repeats this one word 26 times. It's hesed. Hesed is used um, 246 times in the Old Testament. Majority of the time, it's describing God. Now, if you look at it, Hebrews read from right to left, and, and it, again, hesed. So that's your Hebrew lesson today. But hesed, it, there's not an English word that captures its meaning. It's, it's very re- rich and powerful. Um, it's probably the most powerful word in all the Old Testament. And it means, you know, this steadfast, this loving kindness, graciousness, um, loyal love, faithful, fidelity. So when you think of it and it's reference to God, it just encapsulates his relationship with us that he, is, he pursues us even when we don't want anything to do with him. Even when we are defiant in our actions, when we disobey him, when, when we don't want to hear from him, when we think it's on our own shoulders, when we have our fingers in our ears and we're going la, 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 God's steadfast love is still pursuing us. And so we need to realize his steadfast love, his said. I mean, proof of God's said this last week is air conditioning. We all would have melted. I think it was Sharon Lawler. She posted a picture in her house. They don't have air conditioning. She had two big candles in her front, you know, walking into her house. They both went, (laughs) air conditioning is proof that God has steadfast love for us. God has said it never wanes or lapses. It's continuous forever. Now, think about forever is a, a long time. Right? I mean, when we even start thinking about it, my head starts to hurt, so don't overheat, right? So, I mean, you can't, you can't think about it too long because everything that we have been taught or experienced has a beginning and an end. But the only thing that doesn't is God and his steadfast love. And so we have a God who, who doesn't end, and his steadfast love never ends for us. God, in describing himself to Moses in Exodus, describes himself this way. This is chapter 34, starting verse 6. It says, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God, of, God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in hesed, in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping his said or steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So God, even describing himself, uses his said twice. This idea of loving kindness, steadfast love. This is a word, again, I hope you all just commit to memory and describe our God in which we worship Um, So then the psalm moves on. It it tells us, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and reminds us of this steadfast love. And then it goes on talking about how we have experienced it. 
Starting verse 4, it talks about creation. Now, we don't have time for this psalm to go verse by verse, line by line, like we do some other passages. So that's homework. You'll have to go home and and read it. But starting verse 4, it starts going through creation. It says, we have the God who who does great wonders, right? Who has created the heaven and has stretched the ground over the waters, who has made the sun rule the day and the moon and the stars rule at night for his steadfast love endures forever. And so we need to see creation as that steadfast love is that in his action of creation, he is being faithful to us because without creation, none of us would be here, right? It, it, I don't think it's a coincidence either that anyone who, that when you go out into nature, maybe, you know, I love Yosemite or, or Yellowstone or even going out the Ortega Highway where you can just get out of the city, there just seems to be a connection with God. I just, I, my spirit, my soul is restored in a way that it's not when I'm home here in, in, in suburbia or in downtown Los Angeles, right? So I leave the place that's man-created and go into nature that is God-created. And so what, we see creation as his steadfast love. The apostle Paul, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where he says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So the Apostle Paul is saying, yes, you have seen his divine power and nature ever since creation, because creation is one of the greatest examples that we have of it. We have no excuse if we don't see it. And there's just something refreshing in seeing that. And so we see his faithfulness in creation. Then it moves on, and starting verse 10, it goes into the way that the nation of Israel saw his salvation, his faithfulness for salvation in the greatest event, which was the exodus from Egypt. For 400 years, they had been enslaved by by Pharaoh and the Egyptians doing their slave labor, and they, they... terrible conditions. I mean, they thought God had left them, but they continued to, God did not. His steadfast love endures forever. And, you know, even when Pharaoh said, you know what, the Israelites, they're becoming too strong. Let's kill all the babies under two. It's God's steadfast love. He still endured then. But God calls them. He pulls them out and he takes them out of Pharaoh's hands and leads them to the promised land. It talks about how it opens the Red Sea for, for the Israelites and it, it closes it back up on Pharaoh and leads them through the wilderness and then gives them the land of Cana as a mark of his promise to them that his steadfast love endures forever. And much of all, and as new covenant believers, when we hear the story of the exodus from Egypt, we automatically should start thinking about the cross. Because that is our great act of salvation, because we know more of the story. We, we have heard about Jesus and what he has done, and that is God's great steadfast love for us by sending his son, because just as the Israelites were hopeless in Egypt and he pulled them out of it, we were hopeless in sin. I mean, we were awful in sin. It was, it was scandalous how much sin was in our lives until we have the blood of Jesus to thank for it. And we can't forget it. We need to remember it. We need to have it always in the front of our head and be grateful for it. Kind of like any child or child growing up becoming an adult. You know, the number one day, I think, that they become, they increase in their gratitude towards their parents. The first day they move out and they have to start paying the rent. 
Because it's that day they go, mom and dad did this. I know they always paid the mortgage or the rent and they bought food, but they did this on the first of the month every month. Wow, that's expensive. No wonder why so many millennials have moved back in with mom. That's a great deal, right? So, I mean, when they move out, they increase in the gratefulness because they see the price that has been paid. When we hear about the Exodus and then we start thinking about Jesus and we see the price that has been paid, that just swells up the gratefulness in our hearts and lives as we live it out and pursue him. You know, the, the more I start to think, you know, forget about what Christ has done and I start thinking I've done it myself, that, you know what, Every morning I wake up to that alarm and I get myself out of bed and get dressed and start, you know, pounding away, start grinding. It's easy for me to go, you know what, I, I'm doing it. Why would I be grateful? And my grateful heart then turns into a prideful one, into an entitled one. And so we need to keep the cross front and center because it is a, the greatest act of his steadfast love, his loving kindness for us. So then we need to recount his steadfast love, right? So we recognize his steadfast love. We, we see it, then we, then we realize it. Then we need to recount it. And what is recounting? Recounting is seeing it and then remembering it. Like the Psalm in 107, Psalm 107, verse 43 says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I mean, let us consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let us see it and then meditate on it. Let us be thinking about it. Let it be on the tip of our brain and, and on our tongue. Let us be sharing it with one another. Let us, just like this psalm, let us write it down so we don't forget. And we, we recount God's steadfast love in, in really two ways, and we've talked about them already. One, through Scripture. The scripture, God's holy word, recounts how he's been steadfast, his steadfast love has played out for his people through millennium. And then we have our experience. Our experiences, when we are looking for it and seeing it, our experiences, when, when we see it, then we see him working and moving in ways that we can't anticipate or expect. But the thing is, our, our memories, they're not very good, are they? There was a study done recently in the last few years that came out, um, done through a number of different uh, universities. It was uh, published by the Journal of Experimental Psychology. Now, th what they, they, talk, they did it on memory, but primarily on flashbulb events, which I don't know if you probably know what a flashbulb event is. It's, it's an event that you would know where you were, when you heard it, like that if I named it. So for those of you who are live, like when JFK was assassinated, Right? You know where you were and how you heard about it. Uh, uh, another one was when Princess Diana passed. The most recent one that they point to, the biggest one, is it's September 11th. So right after September 11th, these universities got together and said, you know what, we need to start interviewing people. So they got 3,200 participants, huge sample size. And they started asking them, where were you, what did you do, and who did you talk to right after September 11th? And they interview them every few years, and they ask them the same questions over and over again. So flashball events are ones that are seared in your memory, right? That you know without a shadow of a doubt that you, what you were doing and who you spoke with and how you heard it. And what they found is 60% of the memories changed. 60% of the memories of flashbulb events changed. Now, if that's the case in events like that, how is that going, how are we going to ever remember the day-to-day -day workings of God of his steadfast love in our lives if we're not writing it down, if we're not frequently speaking it and sharing it? 
And as Christians, we are called to continually give testimony to what he's doing. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to, we need to start writing them down, just like the psalmist has done. And I would say, you know what, start a, almost like a prayer journal, listing out the different prayers in your life. It's great to see that same list maybe six months down the road. And you go down the list and you go, wow, God took care of that one. God took care of that one. Look, you know, that one's still in process. God's still working on it. And the one to start the list, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for what Christ has done, taking away our guilt and shame and giving us your righteousness. Now, in the process of making a list like that, we are all probably going to come to a point where we go, you know what? I know God's steadfast love endures forever, but, but God, where was your loving kindness when X happened? Where were you over those five years in which my kids wouldn't talk to me? Where, where were you when I, I was struggling with this health issue? Where, God, where were you? And you know what? I, I don't know the situations of, of your particular uh, event or how God has worked in your life, but, and any answer I give won't necessarily be satisfactory of, of, of those things. But know this. God is using what's happening in your life, even the lows, and he's using them for his glory and your good. And that's not necessarily satisfactory in the moment while we're in the low because it is painful and we're, going, we're crying out to God, God, where is your steadfast love in this moment? But if you keep looking, I promise you'll see it working. Uh, recently, I was out to lunch with a Christian brother um, and a friend. He, he goes to our church here. And over lunch, we just started sharing uh, different things about our lives. And he shared with me probably one of the most horrific things you can experience as a parent. He watched his adult child struggle and fight and lose the battle against cancer. And this, this was over a decade ago. And you could still see it was as raw as ever. And we're just sitting there at lunch eating a sandwich with, with tears just flowing down both of our faces. And as he starts telling me, he said something that struck with me, or struck a chord with me. And as I've thought about this numerous times. He said, you know what? In going through that process, I learned things about God that I know I never would have learned about him if I hadn't gone through that. It's like, whoa. Lord, that's amazing. That is not a natural response. I hope I have that response. So Lord, whatever I'm going through, whenever I go through it in my life, use it for your glory and our good. Help me to see how you're moving. He continued on with his story that, you know what, even recently he and his wife were at a doctor's office and they started, somehow the conversation came up and they shared how they had seen God work through the passing of their child. And the doctor who was not a believer their, their hearts and emotions were stirred. And, and so he said, you know what? I, even though it was a decade ago, I still see God moving today through our lives and what we live through. Don't let whatever's going on in your life go to waste because his steadfast love endures forever and share it. Recount how his steadfast love has worked in your life. We're all gonna go through hardship, but God, use mine for your glory. That is what my hope is that all of our prayers are this morning. And then lastly, Reflect God's steadfast love. Reflect God's steadfast love. We, you know, once we've recognized who God is, we, we realize and we have recounted his steadfast love, we are to then reflect it. I mean, because has said is a quality of life that all that who know God should have and start to develop. I mean, a thankful heart, a thankful heart to God becomes a steadfast heart. A, a thankful heart becomes a steadfast love 
heart. Look at uh, verse 23 with me. Let's get back into the psalm. Verse 23 says, It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, his, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, his steadfast love endures forever. So we have a God who he sees us in our lowest positions. He saves us and he also provides for us. Now, when we have all experienced that, how do you think he continues to work for others? Primarily through each other, through one another. And as we have experienced his steadfast love, then is our, to become more like our God in which we worship, then we are to start working through how we are called to and then spread his hesed, his steadfast love. And you can do this in a, in a number of ways. You can start discipling people. I mean, we have a bunch of young people here, and they, they all want someone to say, hey, you know what? Out of, out of all the young people here, I want to focus on you. For me, that was Tom and Verl Pack. When I was four, I, was, I had two siblings at the time, and they said, hey, we want to we wanna make you feel special. We want to dote on you. And they took me to the museum with, with the mummy. Right? They took me to Burger King to get a burger. They took me to the park for the whole objective. To, you know what? We want to show care and, and love to Micah because of Jesus. But you know, this might take another way. This might just be an encouraging word. This might be paying for a, a couple's counseling, marriage counseling, because you know what, relationally, they're just at the end of their rope. This might be going to the hospital and just sitting with someone to give them support. This can play out in a number of ways because if you have experienced God's steadfast love, then it's, then it's our job to live it out because they're gonna experience God's steadfast love through you because a thankful heart becomes a steadfast love heart. I mean, but how cool is that? How cool is that? that? You know what? I don't only get to experience God and how he's faithful to me, but then when my actions portray God's faithfulness to one another. I mean, as Christians, we should be praying, Lord, show me places that I can show your hesed, your steadfast love to not just other believers, but outside these walls, to people who aren't Christians, to people that don't proclaim God because, you know, they're going to experience it through you and they're going to go, that's not natural. Why, why are they showing me kindness like that? Why, why are they willing to get down on my level and, and have a conversation with me when most people would just walk by? Why? And those questions lead to, you know what? I do this because of my Lord and Savior, because of God's steadfast love for me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are faithful to us. Lord, help us to cultivate hearts that are just thankful to you and what you have done and how we can play it out, Lord, in our lives to one another. Lord, help us to live lives with hearts that, have, that are steadfast for you. Uh, Lord, help us to be constantly recognizing who you are, realizing you're, you're faithful to us, recounting your, your loving kindness to us, and then reflecting it. Uh, Lord, as we leave here today, Lord, help us to just live lives of gratefulness. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.